0: It's the 105th episode of the Show Before the Show podcast, and we're gonna talk about real live baseball games, which is so exciting. Hi, hi Sam. Hi, Tyler. Oh, he's How Sam Dykstra. I'm Tyler Mon. It's a minor league baseball podcast, the show before the show, from MILB.com. I'm good. I'm good, man. How are you?
2: I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, it's been it's been fun to actually see results come in, some surprising, some not surprising, uh, in good and bad ways. Um yeah, so it's it's uh, I'm I'm really excited just to to kind of be in it now. You know, en- enough talking, enough trying to project, enough predictions, enough all that kind of stuff. I mean, I, I think last week's podcast went really well. I'm very happy with it. Um I know Kelsey and Josh were very happy with it. They were happy to be on and and give their thoughts on how the season's going to go, but now we actually get to talk about what's happening and and, and their games that matter. Um, we're not just talking about spring training stats and adding caveats of, well, well, we'll have to see what happens when the games don't right. matter. Now they matter. They, they actually
0: matter. matter. The only thing that we missed out on last week was uh, Josh Jackson and I uh, doing a duet of Dracula's lament from Forgetting Sarah Marshall, which is basically all we did while we were in Phoenix together covering spring <laughs> training. Um, but, yeah, man, no, the one of my most hated cliches in all sports is uh, – during the NFL's training camp, toward the end of camp, there's always the requisite discussion of, like, really excited to go out and hitting somebody who's wearing a different colored jersey. But I get the sentiment behind that, where it's like you talk about the pre- the preparation for a season for so long that it's just finally exciting to go out and do something that's actually competitive. So uh, I guess what I'm saying is it's my most hated cliche, and I'm pretty much using it now.
2: So there uh, we go. Isn't that always the
0: way. <laughs> Very excited about that. Uh, so, uh, for
2: a reason. Exactly.
0: So, hey, it is episode number 105 of the show before the show, and we're going to get started talking about the 2017 minor league baseball season's opening week. Uh, but before we do so, wherever you found us, thanks for tuning in to the show before the show. Uh, we are on iTunes. We are on the Stitcher app. We are at MILB.com slash podcast. You can find us in all of those places. we got a lot of exciting stuff uh, on the site through the podcast, through, milb tv all kinds of different stuff we have a new news format on the site in case you have not checked out a story yet at milb.com since we started the season and if that's the case what are you doing with your life uh but we got a great new look for the site uh we also now have milb.tv available for android devices this year which is very exciting people have been clamoring for that that is available now um we got a lot of good stuff that's been rolling out as of recent weeks
2: yeah, I think that Android news is is my favorite thing that we've rolled out yeah. so far just because, um, you know, the amount of tweets we used to get about it in terms of, you know, when is it going to come on Android? I mean, that's not my department. It's not your department, Tyler. It's not like we were individually feeling the pressure. I know, you know, the guys who do that kind of stuff um, or the people who do that kind of stuff. we're trying to make it happen as best we could i'm glad we got it out for opening day i know there are a lot of people out there who use you know tablets or their phones or whatever they download the first pitch app through android uh through the google store and now they get a chance to watch milb.tv now you guys if you have those devices and that was holding you back before you know the gates wide open now uh get to watch the same stuff we do uh, so many games. You know, we we'll do our MiLB.tv segment at the end, like we always do, previewing what's to come this weekend. But uh, yeah, the the fact that that gate is now open to so many more people is is very exciting because I think you know that's an opportunity that definitely didn't exist you know 10 years ago to watch this many Meyer league games, and now that we're opening it up to even a bigger audience is is a big step.
0: And when you download the First Pitch app, you can give us a rating and a review there as well, and uh, that'll help uh, minor league baseball fans all over the place discover the app and uh, use it for their – best and uh, most exciting MILB needs of the 2017 season. So with no further delay, we'll jump into three strikes for episode number 105 of the show before the show podcast. We're a week in to the minor league season and not a full week as of yet, but uh, we're recording on Wednesday at seven days. Tomorrow will be the one week week anniversary of opening day. Uh, And uh, we've got a lot to talk about Hot starts, cold starts, surprising starts. We're going to start with the first of those categories. Sam, who are you most impressed by to get the 2017 season rolling?
2: Yeah, so, you know, this is the first week. It, it comes with a caveat of everything is in a small sample so far. Um, but I, to kind of steal a line, uh, I think it was from MLB.com's Mike Petriello. Uh, somebody said, you know, what are you doing analyzing the game right now? It's only been a week. What is what? What can we take away from this? He's like, well, listen – Yeah, we can try to understand what's happened and there's nothing wrong with that. Trying to, trying to project it out. Okay. We can't do that necessarily, but we can look at what is happening and kind of take some things from that for sure. Otherwise, what are we doing? But also, you know, what are we supposed to do sit in our hands for six weeks? Like that's not our job. Our job is to look at what is happening in games, um, you know, determine what it means and kind of, you know, add all the caveats to it, take all the grains of salt that we need to. So in terms of just hot starts, um, you know, this this week's tool shed for Wednesday anyways, it's already out on the site if you want to see it. Um, I, I looked at some of the hot starts, some of the cold starts, tried to add the necessary tweaks. You know, who who's starting out hot, but it, it could be kind of soft or who's starting out cold, but it could get better, that kind of stuff. But one guy who stood out to me in terms of a hot start that looks like it's sustainable in some sort of way is Francisco Mejia. Now, when we're talking about Mejia immediately your mind goes to the 50 game hitting streak last year that that's where he made his name that's where he became national news um so it it might please you to know that he does have hits in each of his first five games he's got a five game hitting streak you know only a 10 percent of the way from that long run last year but it's still something um but he has multiple hits in three of those five games and what's most important to me is that he's got eight hits. So he's eight for 18. That's a four forty-four average. That's not sustainable. Nobody's saying he's a four, to 40, you know, four forty-four hitter uh, over a full season, but five of his eight hits have been doubles. Now, I mean, he is not a big power guy. He's, you know, his career high for home runs is 11, which is what he set last year between class a and class a advanced. Um, so we're not thinking of him as a guy aiming for the fences, but if he's making consistent contact, consistent, hard contact to the, to the gaps and getting these doubles this early. I mean, that's huge. That means, you know, that his offensive potential is carried forward. Now, you know, it, there, he's going to be tested against double a arms. Uh, he's that double a Akron right now. You're going to go up against major league quality pitching there at times. Um, you know, once the scouting report gets out, he starts seeing some of these guys for the second time he's going to get figured out. How is he going to adjust back? That's all, what we all have to figure out. But if he's coming out of the gate, you know, hitting this well, hitting this hard this well. Um, you know, that that's a really good harbinger for the future. Now, if it goes beyond just the bat with Mejia, um, you know, maybe the first thing you knew was the 50-game hitting streak, but if you ever studied his scouting report, you'd know that he also has an incredible arm. Uh, throughout 30 of 69 attempted base stealers last year, that's, you know, a little under 50%, which is quite good for a catcher. Uh, that's a plus arm if not a plus plus arm he has caught all three attempted base stealers who have tried to go against him so far this year with Akron uh, nobody successfully stolen against him through his four games behind the plate uh, he had one game at DH so that's four games behind the plate one at DH uh, so in terms of you know with Mejia what were we going to look for to, out of him if to see if 2016 was a mirage it's is he going to hit? Is he going to make good contact, good hard contact? And is the arm still there against, you know, double-A position players who are a little more experienced in terms of when to steal, who to go against, that kind of thing? He's checking all the boxes right now. Now, struggles, like I said, struggles are probably going to come at some point. This None of this is necessarily sustainable in terms of the balls he's putting in play. Um, but if I'm an Indians fan, I know he is on the 40-man roster. Um, given that he's on double-A, on double a, you know, maybe we're looking at a second half promotion for him, uh, to triple a Columbus. Maybe we're looking at even at a call up to Cleveland at some point this year. Um, and, and, you know, this, it's really encouraging what he is doing. So take it all the greens, grains of salt, but that doesn't mean you're not allowed to be excited either.
0: I like that phrase, take it with the grains of salt, but it doesn't mean you're not allowed to be excited either. It's something good for all of us in life.
2: Yeah, yeah. Because I, I I think like so much we talk about the beginning of the season. It's it's usually to, I feel like it it becomes much more negative. Like somebody gets hot, it's like oh that's not gonna last. Yeah, but, no, yes, that's true. We, you're allowed to say that's not allowed to that's not going to last, but you're also allowed to enjoy it. You're also allowed to look at something and say, listen, this is a really cool thing that's happening. Yeah, I'm gonna be excited about it. I know it's not gonna continue, uh, over a longer period of time, but. Given that it is happening now, let's enjoy it for what it is. So, And plus, like, know.
0: are we supposed to wait until six weeks into the season before we talk about baseball? Like, is that what we're supposed to do for, like, the Randy Quades from Major League Two out there who are like, it's <laughs> not going to last, it doesn't matter, it's stupid.
2: Right. You know? So, yeah, we – Let us can have this. Both. <laughs> yeah, you, 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 can bo- you can both enjoy what is happening, know yeah. that it's not going to continue, and have both in both hands. That's right. perfectly fine. Exactly. So, let, I just want to get those all those caveats off out now that if you're reading a story we do on the site, we note somebody did really well on a given night. We know that's just one night, but that's, that's what we do. We cover, you know, the, the game on a day to day basis. So that's, that's kind of our view. Um, sometimes some of these, we'll get to this later. Uh, you know, sometimes we'll see things that we can project forward and we'll try to tell you when we do see that. But, um, yeah, it, it's, it's possible to, to take the macro and the micro view in this sense.
0: By the way, coming up on this week's edition of the show before the show podcast is a guy who could slot into this discussion as one of the hot starts of minor league baseball. The seventh ranked prospect in the Texas Rangers organization, Jose Trevino, will join us, the 2016 Rangers minor league player of the year and the uh, top catcher on the roster. Of the Double A Frisco Rough Riders, but I'm going to go one step up the ladder to Triple A and the Pacific Coast League. And a guy I got a chance to write about last night in the New York Mets first base prospect, Dominic Smith, who, a uh, friend of the podcast, if you want to go back and find it, he was episode number 48, was Dom Smith. But uh, through the start of his season with Las Vegas, six games in now, Dominic Smith, 11 for his first 25. Three doubles, a homer, four runs batted in. Yesterday, four hits. He went four for six in a 21-6 beatdown of Fresno in the Las Vegas 51's home opener. Uh, But the thing I like about it, when we had Dominic Smith on the podcast for episode number 48, which was a whole long time ago, uh, that was all the way back in uh, March of 2016, one of the things that we discussed with him was at some point you're going to start hitting for power. People know that with hitters, especially with high school hitters, power is often the last thing to come. And that season, it really came for Dom Smith. He had 14 home runs last season. That was more than his entire minor league career going into last season. Drove in 91, and he's already started driving the ball with authority this season for Las Vegas because out of his 11 hits, four for extra bases, he's got the homer as of last night. Yes, the home run last night comes in Las Vegas it's a hitter-friendly environment. Also came off of a position player because the uh, the 51s were already up 15-2, to two, I believe, by the time uh, Dom got to the plate for, uh, for that one. But still, the fact, if I'm a Mets fan, the fact that he's hitting is encouraging, but the fact that he is still driving the ball is more encouraging. And maybe the most encouraging is the fact that Dominic Smith is doing this while being in what he considers to be the best shape of his life. He was drafted, and he was listed at about six foot one ninety-five when he was drafted. Last year, there were reports that he was as high as 260 pounds. But this year, came to camp slimmed down, felt like he was really in a good place physically going into the season, and it's really started to show for him. Uh, and it doesn't hurt the fact that, you know, he's got so much talent around him in that lineup. Up. uh the 51s uh, med rosario also uh, a friend of the podcast the top prospect in the mets organization was hitting in the three hole last night and dominic smith was in the four hole so it's a talented team it's a very hitting friendly environment in las vegas but if i'm uh, a mets fan i'm excited about that start a guy who theoretically could be a contributor this year uh, at the major league level for the New York Mets. So strike two is the antithesis of strike one for this week's edition of three strikes, your most worrisome start or some noteworthy struggles for a prospect or prospects to start the season, Sam.
2: Yeah, I'm going to go with two, uh, to, two guys to kind of fill this spot. They're both at AAA. a um, both had their struggles in 2016 so you kind of are wishing that they would get back on the horse this year and kind of answer some of our questions. They haven't yet. Again, a week early, they'll have plenty of time to do that. Um, you know, this could just be short, small sample, um, you know, struggles that don't mean anything. It just means they had a bad week. Uh, or it could mean something a little bigger. Uh, I think that's the case in one of these, and I'll get to that, th- that guy second. But first is J.P. Crawford. Um, you know, I talked to him this spring. About his his struggles last year at Triple A Lehigh Valley, where he hit two, four, 244 with a 647 OPS, he was saying he knew he was at the Triple A level. Really, really wanted to get to Philly as quick as he could. Uh, said he was basically trying to hit 600, um, which we know is nearly impossible to do in a week. Never mind, you know, a couple of weeks strung together to force your way to the majors at a level you've never played at before. Uh, so he said he was forcing things a little bit. Philly's basically backed him up said he got away from what made him good at the lower levels, which is a very good approach. Uh, A guy who's certainly willing to take his walks um, and take the ball wherever it's pitched. Uh, Not much power yet, but they expect him to grow into that, probably double-digit home runs as he gets older. Uh, So they seem to have that all figured out. Just get back to what you are and you'll be fine. Today, he is three for 24, so that's a 125 average in his first six games. What's more worrisome to me about that is that he has struck out nine times in those 24 at-bats and only walked once. Um, so, you know, for a guy who had such an advanced approach, who, who usually took walks even last year at AAA Lehigh Valley, uh, 59 strikeouts and 42 walks, so still not exactly even, but fairly close to that, uh, to see that so out of whack in this first week um, you know, I don't want to say he didn't learn his lessons because that I, I, you know, he said he's done that. And, uh, this spring, I think he performed much better. I think the Phillies were pleased with how he performed in spring training. Um, so this could just be early struggles, you know, trying to get out of the gate, but you know, for a guy who you wanted to so badly hit like 300 or 400 this first week, just so we'd stop talking about, uh, his lack of hitting at the triple a level to have that still hanging there. I won't say worrisome quite yet, but it's it's discouraging at, at the very least. Um, so we'll have to see if he can turn that around, or if this becomes a longer term thing. Uh, the second guy is Lucas Giolito. Uh, it's tougher to talk about pitchers in this kind of instance because they only get one start. Like Crawford, at least he had six games to. You have one bad game, all right. You come back out tomorrow. Maybe you try to get a couple hits there, erase the problems. Giolito, he's only had one start. Uh, this year. It was a rough one. He gave up five runs. Four of them were earned on six hits. He actually hit three batters and issued two walks over four and a third innings. Uh, so five batters reached kind of on its own. We're not even talking about balls in play. We're talking about five guys he put on himself in a four and a third innings in his White Sox organizational debut at AAA Charlotte. Uh, what makes it especially worrisome is that based on you know the MILB.TV gun, which I think is the stadium gun, uh, he was only thrown in the lower 90s. Normally that's okay, um, but for Giolito, you know, his bread and butter when he was in the national system, free last year I would say, uh, was that he could hit mid-90s easily, upper 90s when he needed to, could even hit triple digits. Now if he's only sitting 91, 93, okay, now he's becoming less effective. And if that control isn't even there, then we're talking about him being even more worrisome. That that hammer curve is always something he's going to have in his back pocket. But without the velocity, he becomes a significantly less exciting pitcher. So that's something we'll have to keep an eye on. Maybe he's still building up to it earlier in the year. You yeah, can add velocity as he's going along, as he kind of find, finds his strength. But, um, again, for you know a guy who really struggled at the major league level last year, new organization, new system, uh, new team, m- you know, they would work on them in the spring, you know, new preparations, all that kind of stuff. Again, we're just left with more questions than answers for Lucas Giolito uh, entering his second start and third start and uh, as we go down deeper into April.
0: Yeah, it's uh, that is gonna be a storyline that I'm really interested to follow. And I think everybody's gonna be really interested to follow this year, especially because it looked like that trade was such a coup when the White Sox pulled it off. But if Giolito doesn't come through in the way Chicago was hoping then it's an entirely different-looking deal. Now, that's certainly not to say that this is decided by any stretch, and Lucas Alito is still very young, and so at some point it's going to turn around, at least to some degree, but the last year-plus have been a little bit concerning in that regard. Uh, but speaking of young and struggling at that level, that's where my guy is, Austin Meadows and the Indianapolis Indians and the Pittsburgh Pirates organization and MLB.com seventh-ranked prospect overall coming into the 2017 season. Today was an okay day, got a couple of hits today as we're recording this on Wednesday, but to start the season in Indianapolis, two hits in his first 21 at-bats, nine strikeouts, three walks over that span, an O forty eight 48 average, of 167 on base percentage, and a slugging percentage of 0 9 um, And again, six games, yes, all the same caveats. But what is a little bit concerning about this from the Pirates' perspective and from the Pirates' fans' perspective is that Austin Meadows had 37 games of experience at AAA last year. He batted 214, 297, 460, not great numbers there. He did hit six home runs, which strangely matched his double-A total uh, in four 45 games with Double A Altoona last year, and he actually drove in one more run, 24 to 23, uh, versus his time in Altoona. But this is a guy who's seen this level before, so you would expect maybe he'd be able to get in a little bit ahead of the curve in his second tour through the International League. But the biggest thing to remember in this circumstance is Austin Meadows is way ahead of the curve for a 21 year old as it is this is a first round pick three years ago out of high school so this isn't a situation four years ago now uh he was a 2013 pick but this isn't a situation where you're looking at a guy who's kind of on the bubble and you're thinking man if you can't get it figured out in triple a right now then where does he go there's still a whole lot of time for Austin Meadows to get it figured out but coming out of a spring training that seemed like it was pretty productive and going into this season with some experience at AAA already sort of expected a hotter start uh than where he is right now of time and a lot of stuff to get figured out for Austin Meadows but a rough first week back in the international league for him
2: yeah the the one good thing about Meadows situation too um is that you know the Pirates didn't trade Andrew McCutcheon so they don't have a big gaping hole in their outfield right now uh assuming you know McCutcheon at least performs closer to his normal self than he was in 2016 um so you know as as much as they want to push Meadows and you know, being a top 10 prospect, you want to see him show it on the highest level possible. You know, they are not in any rush to, to get him there. If he's going to struggle now, that's OK. Get it figured out before it becomes an even bigger struggle, you know, in, in the majors when they really need him. So, you know, this could have been a situation where everybody in Pittsburgh is like, OK, we traded McCutcheon. Now Meadows, you know, he needs to get hot super quick and we'll bring him up by May. It's like, no, that's a, that's not what you know the, that's not the timeline we're in now um it, it's not the universe we're in so even if he does this through april nobody's really gonna be jumping off the ship quite yet he hasn't quite made contact to the level that i would hope he would uh in terms of strikeouts yeah he's that's one of, of the
0: real concerning things
2: right it, it's kind of the same boat as uh jp crawford you know entering today he had struck out nine times and 21 at bats he's never really been a guy to sh- strike out that much except for what he's done even last year at the A level. He struck out, a, I think, over 20% of the time. Um, so it's starting to become a, a problem at the minor's highest level. But, um, you know, more time, more acclimation, all of that's kind of needed with Austin Meadows, and that's perfectly fine. Uh, if he's going to struggle, let him get it out in April. Uh, you know, they'll they'll hope to add him in the second half. And at that point, he's kind of figured all this kind of stuff out, figure out his approach. And we'll go from there so if you're a pirates fan yes it might be a little worrisome now but better now than july
0: yeah Yeah. that's uh something to keep in mind throughout all of this is we live in a we live in a football world where everything is judged on a timeline of how it would affect people in the sport of football. And so I think that coupled with the fact that, you know, nobody has an attention span anymore and everything is social media based tends to lead us all to want to make grand proclamations about baseball players, especially in their developmental stages. So early on, and with such a small Ledger, such a small resume for guys to really go off of. So don't – I mean, back off the ledge if you're a Pirates fan. Austin Meadows is more than likely going to be fine. It's just things that – these are the road bumps that come up in a guy's track to the major leagues. These are the things that you have to conquer in order to be productive big league players. So uh, keep it all in mind. Uh, same thing goes for Lucas Giolito. Same thing goes for all these guys that are struggling to start the 2017 season. Uh, and strike three, Sam, good or bad, what have the biggest surprises been for you to start
2: the 2017 campaign? Yeah, let's let's just stick with good. I think good is good is a good thing. It's always good. Um, always good is it's, good. It's more fun to talk about positivity, isn't it? I think. Um, so sure. So I'm gonna stick with one guy just because his numbers have been absolutely insane. Um, it, he he's forced me to pay attention when I otherwise probably wouldn't have. His uh, Orioles number 19 prospect Cedric Mullins. Uh, he was a 13th round pick back in 2015, coming out of Campbell. Which is actually, I believe, isn't that where Bowie's Creek is? It is,
0: yeah. Yeah, so uh, the Campbell fighting camels. Yeah,
2: I think at one point somebody called them the flying camels, which would just be a lot more fun in terms of logo than a fighting that would camel. Be, that's true. But anyway, um, so Cedric Mullins, uh, he was a college pick back in 2015. Um, last year he played a, the entire season, his first full season. That Class A Del Marva hit 273 with a 785 OPS. Um, had I think 61 extra base hits in 124 games, so pretty good. 30 stolen bases. That's probably his best tool is his speed, um, but not a guy I, I would necessarily be on my radar. If he's number 19 in the Orioles system, it's not a great Orioles system as things kind of stand right now. Uh, could just be an organizational guy. His speed might get him to the majors, that kind of thing. What he's done, he they they bumped him straight from Class A to Double A Bowie, and he is 16. For 31 uh through his first seven games. That's a five sixteen average. Um, same things I said about Mejia. You know, it, this isn't just all singles. This is, you know, he's got three homers, a triple, and three doubles. So seven of his hits have gone for extra bases. Uh he's gotten one stolen base, so that quite hasn't shown up just yet. But for a guy who jumped straight over the class A advanced level, uh, he's 22. So, you know, th- it's not exactly that aggressive uh, to see a college guy jump to Double A in his second full season, but he's only five eight, um, kind of a diminutive outfielder to be showing this kind type of you know pop, this type of um, extra hit, extra base hit ability. I don't I don't know what I want to quite call that outside. Of, I don't want to quite call it power because I don't think he's he necessarily has you know, booming power. He hit 14 homers last year. Uh, three and seven games is great. I don't think that's necessarily sustainable for him. But um, with what he is doing, he is forcing us to pay attention. And in this first week when you are a prospect like him, I mean, that is all you can do. This is You get off to these hot starts. You make us pay attention. And then that kind of drags on for a little bit. I remember last year that guy was Austin Allen in the Padre system. Got off to just a roaring start in April. Uh, and really tapered off after that. Still a pretty good offensive catcher uh, in his own right. He started out last year at Class A Fort Wayne and and had that kind of carry on, and I think he's a little bit more on my radar than he would have been otherwise just because he got off to that hot start. So uh, let's we'll see what what's going to happen with Mullins. Again, again, same thing I said about Mejia. Double-A arms are much better than they are at the lower level. That jump from high A to double-A is, is pretty significant. Never mind this guy jumps from you know, full season, a to double a. So double a pitchers are going to start to figure him out at some point. Um, what is he going to do to adjust back to that is going to be the determining factor. Um, but I'm sure the Orioles are excited by what he's doing. Uh, if he can become just an average hitter with that speed, he'll probably be looking at a fourth or fifth outfielder role in the majors. Um, and this is how you get yourself on the radars with, with these hot stretches. So good for Mullins. We'll have to pay attention to him uh, a little bit more than we would have otherwise.
0: Uh, I'm going to go to the Toronto Blue Jays organization for mine, and I think this is sort of a, a quote-unquote surprise player if you haven't really been aware of just how good things have started to go for him over the last couple of years, and that's Anthony Alford, the uh, outfielder who was with the New Hampshire Fisher Cats in AA this season in the Blue Jays organization. Anthony Alford's story is a pretty well-known one. He was taken out of high school with a third-round pick back in 2012, uh, but was a two-sport athlete at the time. He was at one time with Southern Michigan and with Ole Miss uh, playing college football and then decided back in October of 2014 that he was going to go baseball full-time. Told the Blue Jays that, and the Blue Jays decided, let's get this guy a crash course, get him as many at-bats and as many innings as possible. He went to the Australian Baseball League that offseason. He went to the Arizona Fall League last offseason. He's played full seasons in between. In 2015, he was with Dunedin at the Class A advanced level and with Lansing at the Class A level. He played 107 combined games. Last year, 92 games with Dunedin back at the Class A advanced level. Missed some time due to an injury, but goes off to the AFL, a successful stint there, and he has blown up to start this season. Last year – dislocated his kneecap I believe was the injury back in April and missed the majority of the opening month and never really got back to where he was in 2015. He only batted 236 with a 722 OPS compared with a combined number of 298 and 820 uh, in 2015. But this year it's only five games but Anthony Alford is batting 625-700-625. He's got 10 hits so far through his first 16 at-bats. They're all singles but he's the type of guy with the athleticism and the ability to barrel the ball he's going to hit for extra bases eventually anyway. Uh, Not a power threat, but he's a guy who can play all three outfield spots and is just a very, very talented, instinctive, toolsy type of ball player. Um, There is still somewhat of a learning curve for Anthony Alford where he is right now, but he's pretty well on track At this stage in his career, 22 years old, being in double A and being a guy who had to make up for some lost time, having only played 11 combined games in his first two professional seasons uh, and then only 14 in his third. This is a, a guy now who is really turning himself into a legitimate name to watch to make an impact at the major league level relatively soon. For a long time, it was. Anthony Alford can be really good. Is he going to be able to put it all together in a baseball sense to make up for the time that he lost developmentally while he was still playing football, et cetera. Now, I think you put all that behind you when when you come to evaluating Anthony Alford, and it's what are the, the steps that he needs to take to get to Buffalo and eventually to Toronto. If he hits 625, I can't imagine he's going to be in New Hampshire for long. But, again, it's his first test at AA. Uh, when teams are evaluating how to pitch to new guys at a new level, he's seeing a lot of pitches to hit early. So there is going to be, presumably – a valley for this peak eventually and it likely comes in pretty short order as it does with prospects when they get to those upper levels in the minors but the adjustment and the ability to rebound to that that's going to be the most crucial thing for Anthony Alford and if he proves that he can do that and he can handle it Buffalo awaits and then Toronto is the next step
2: yeah and and there are two things I kind of want to add about Alford in terms of just this hot start I think um, one to his credit and one to kind of take away the first one is as you mentioned Tyler all of his hits so far have been singles, um, which is great. That means they're finding holes, that whole thing. A hit is a hit is a hit. Um, you would like to see that be, you know, you'd like to see him make a little harder contact, find the gaps a little bit more uh, if you think that's going to be kind of sustainable. Um, but to his credit and to my second point here, I think two of those hits are infield hits, which makes you think, like, okay, he kind of got lucky, whatever. But Anthony Alford has plus plus speed, he is going to exactly. steal some hits. Um, right, so that and that's a valuable asset because I think people look at that and
0: think like, oh, he's really not hitting the ball that hard. Yeah, it, so does Ichiro sometimes doesn't hit the ball that hard, but he's been stealing singles forever and nobody knocks him for that. I think that's an asset versus being a liability. He's got to cut down on strikeouts. Last year, he struck out 117 times in 92 games, but he started to do that this year as well. Only three strikeouts in his first five games. So yeah, there are things that that look like question marks that I think actually are positives for him.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah, you can't like yes he 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 should be hitting for a little extra pop and but nobody doubts that that will come at some point um, but don't take away an infield hit from him just because you know we talk so much now in this era of stat cast about exit velocity and we try to evaluate based on that but if you can get to first base um, just based on your speed take it that is a good thing and that is certainly something that Anthony Alford has always had in, on his or in his back pocket now that he's fully healthy uh, like Tyler mentioned, he was not playing this time last year. He got injured in that first game. Um, so to see him out there healthy, a- competing and thriving is just huge uh, and hugely exciting for us, hugely exciting for everybody in the Blue Jays system, uh, us that we get to watch it, the Blue Jays that, you know, he could potentially be a part of the big league team at some point this season. Um, so, yeah, that he's going to be so much fun to watch, I think, with that A New Hampshire team that has a lot of talent outright, but he's definitely been the standout so far.
0: So those are our three strikes for episode number 105 of the Show Before the Show podcast. And coming up, we are going to head to the Texas League and a conversation. Catchers are, are always the most interesting conversations, or some of the most interesting conversations. I don't want to impugn the other eight guys on the field, but catchers are always their own breed, intellectual guys, talkative guys in a lot of cases. And Jose Trevino did not disappoint. Uh, and you will hear from the seventh-ranked prospect in the Texas Rangers organization on the bus to Springfield, which sounds like the title to a blues album, but it's actually not. That's where he really is. And we'll talk. Talk to Jose Trevino next. Well, we are headed to the Texas League for the first episode of the 2017 regular season in minor league baseball, and that is where we find the seventh-ranked Texas Rangers prospect catcher Jose Trevino, who joins us from the bus as the Frisco Rough Riders head to Springfield It's on the uh, the Cardinals. Jose, welcome. You're our first bus guest, man. This is exciting. Yeah,
1: yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate
0: it. <laughs> well, let's let's talk about that first. We uh, we got to get the actual breakdown of what the bus life is like. because we've talked about it before on the show, uh, some of us have had experience in, in that dynamic. But for people who are, you know, tuned in and want to know what this is like, you guys in off day today, it's actually a league-wide off day, uh, recording this on yeah. Wednesday the 12th. So you're taking a daytime trip to Springfield. So give us, when you get on yeah. the bus, I mean, where are you sitting on the bus? What's the what's the um, layout of the bus for the Rough Riders?
1: I'm, I'm, I'm towards the front. Um got pictures in the middle at the tables. uh there's a couple guys with headphones a couple guys laying on the floor yoga mats around uh there must be a lot of headphones but there's a like tv's gonna be a little loud but yeah no it's nothing uh nothing too crazy nothing too crazy definitely upgrade though tvs are definitely bigger on this bus but uh my my outlet doesn't work
0: oh you have outlets what that's fantastic yeah
1: there's an outlet on the bus so I gotta find one of the pitchers to let me use one of their outlets <laughs> right now. So I guess I got all <laughs> I, I
0: got all excited that there were outlets, but I guess if it doesn't work, then it's not really doing you any good anyway.
1: Yeah, no. No, I
0: picked the wrong seat. Jose, what's your, your road trip routine? I mean, you got this is a different one since you guys are traveling during the day. Ordinarily teams will leave, you know, after a game, a, a day game on a Sunday, for example, or sometimes after night games you'll hit the road. What's your routine? I mean, are you a guy who can sleep on the bus? Are you are you studying stuff on the bus? Are you reading? Um, you listen to music? What do you do?
1: I'm doing, I'm doing it all. Um, I'll sleep a little bit. I'll sleep. I'll take, like, little naps here and there. But I'm either reading with some music or, or some scouting report stuff if I think I need to look at some of the hitters or I need to look at some of the pitchers or something like that. I mean, just get to talk to my teammates and getting to really know them off the field and talk about life, just not knowing them as a baseball player, knowing them as a person.
0: Well, let's get to uh, some baseball stuff then, because it's uh, obviously an exciting time of year, no matter where you are or what you're doing. But for you, a really good start so far uh, with Double A Frisco to get the, the 2017 Texas League season underway. Five games in, Jose's batting 389, 450, 389s, and 839 OPS. And uh, to get started at this level, Jose, you've been you know making strides from level to level every season. You get drafted in 2014, you're in short season ball that year, full season ball in Class A in 2015, last year in high A, this year in Double A. So it's a very Incremental progression. And it's been really good progression. How have you found the AA level to be so far?
1: Uh, it's good. It's good. Um, usually at the beginning of the year, it's just, you know, folks feel my pitchers. Um, I mean, it's it's always going to be like that for me. Just folks feel my pitchers. What I do behind the plate is way more important than what I'm going to do at the plate uh, hitting. But, I mean, getting to know some of the guys that need to get to catch the catch spring training. I think there's a couple guys on that team that. I maybe caught once or twice but a year ago, you know, and just getting to know what they like to do and what their what their good pitches are and what they like to throw and stuff. So I think that's good. Yeah,
2: let's kinda of go, go through that Frisco uh pitching staff. Uh, um you know, I talked yesterday to Connor said sadzek, he he mentioned you, you know, working with you, just kinda of trusting you, putting down the right fingers, that kind of stuff. But that, that yeah. Frisco rotation is just loaded, or loaded uh yeah. in terms of guys yeah. between you know, uh, Mendez, Gerardo. Like I said, um, you know, How are you kind of working with this staff? I mean, how, what is your kind of scouting report on these guys as you're getting to learn them a little bit?
1: Um, you know, just using their using their pitch using their pitches, uh, attacking hitters and getting after them, uh, getting ahead in the counts, trying to get ahead. Uh, I know it's kind of a slow start for all of us, but we'll I'm, I'm sure we'll pick it up. But I know we have a bunch of great starters, a bunch of good names, uh, starting but... Our bullpen. You can't forget about our bullpen. We got some good arms coming out of the out of the bullpen for sure. That can hold the lead.
0: Jose, you've got, uh, like Sam said, a really talented group there and a bunch of guys who uh, seemed like have a the ability to go you know, deep into games, to get through uh, really difficult lineups in the Texas League. But one of the things that's challenging about the Texas League, and it's something you haven't had to deal with yet, but you will coming up over the next couple of months, it's only an eight-team league, and so you see a lot of guys a lot of different times. You'll get really familiar with those lineups. As that starts yeah. going along, how do you manage that from the perspective of a pitching staff because you could have a guy who goes out and is facing the same lineup three times over the span of two weeks or something like that.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I know they, I know I've got to talk to about it, but I mean it's just, it's just experimenting, you know, just going from hey, well this could work, could this work, uh, this doesn't work with them. He keeps this pitch well. He doesn't do this pitch well. It's just going back and forth. It turns into a little chess match. That's all. That's all it really is. You find hitters' weaknesses. You go and you attack them until so they prove to you. That they can't, that they can hit it, or that they can make an adjustment.
0: Who is if there's a member of that staff that right now you're you're loving being able to learn and loving being able to work with? Maybe somebody that you haven't gotten a chance to work with so far. Obviously, there's a whole lot of focus on Yoander Mendez since he's one of the top ranked uh-huh. prospects in the organization. Who are you really enjoying getting those first few steps under your belt with?
1: Um, James Dykstra and Sam Wolf. I hadn't, I haven't caught both of them. That much. Everybody else I've caught quite a few times. I have an idea what they like to do. But those two guys, man, I, I keep keep an eye out for both of them. Seriously, they got good arms. They they have an idea what uh, what the ball is doing in their hands. And
2: uh, Jose, I, one thing I wanted to kind of touch on with you personally was just your kind of transition to catcher. Um, you know, when you were drafted in 2014, you were you were a shortstop at Oral Roberts, had caught yep. there as well. You Know the Rangers take you, they move you to, to catcher, uh, but you still get some time all over the infield. What was that draft process like for you? I mean, were scouts saying they wanted you at catcher, or you know, were you I, getting I, looks at the infield? And how was
1: that kind of transition? I have no clue whose idea was to put me behind yeah. the plate, but I tell you what, I thank them every day. I'd thank them if I knew who they were every day, but um, it was just it was it was a tough transition. Right now, it's Right now, it looks like oh, it's been a straight line. But no, there's been some ups and downs to this stuff. I remember that. I remember the days I couldn't. I couldn't block a baseball. I didn't want to block a baseball. I didn't want to get in front of a baseball. Like it just didn't. It wasn't. It wasn't comprehending to me. Like it didn't feel right. Uh, I remember the days like I couldn't get my footwork going and throwing a second and receiving baseballs. I remember those days. Those days were tough. But um, off season, man, the off season where I get all my work in and I, I prepare myself for these hundred and forty games, I prepare like I'm gonna catch hundred and forty games of then stuff. I thought it uh, included the playoffs. So I think the off season was a really big was a really big uh help for me and I, I took it my first full off and I took it and I said, you know what, I'm gonna if they want me to do this, I'm gonna do it. And I'm gonna I'm gonna try to be the best at it. I'm be the best I can at it.
0: Jose, you mentioned uh, footwork, and I know that's one of the things that um, scouts really rave about with you is the fact your arm is already good enough as it is, but your mechanics, your leadership ability, your receiving ability, in addition to that, you've got really good footwork. And those are some of the intricacies that, as a catcher, are the most difficult things to grasp and understand, and especially to develop. What I mean, if you're talking to a young catcher, if you were talking to yourself this time five years ago, what advice would you give for somebody who's trying to learn those little intricacies of that position?
1: Um, gosh, uh, <laughs> that's a tough question. Uh, I would just, I mean, on the, on the game calling in, you know, find out what the hitters are doing, to have an idea of what they want to do, what they're thinking, uh, on the receiving end, you know, make it look like a strike every time, catch it, stick it, hold it there, let the umpire see it, it's not there, it's, it's a ball, throw it back, uh, keep the ball as close to you when you're blocking um, let the ball get deep when you're transferring. Uh, make an accurate throw. I don't care how hard it is. I, I mean, I, I give lessons to the offensive. So I I tell kids this all the time. I go, I don't care if you throw a one five and you throw it high. This guy's gonna be safe. Uh, give me a one. Give me a one nine on the on the bag every time, and I'll take that. Or two zero on the bag every time. Stuff like that. So I I think with the throwing, it's all about accuracy, and the footwork is all about being quick and and getting your body going.
0: When you were uh, coming into pro ball Sam noted you got experience at a bunch of different positions and then you switched to, mm-hmm. to being a backstop full-time and the Rangers obviously realized they really had something in you that they liked uh, in January mm-hmm. you were extended a non roster invitation to big league spring training and being a chance getting a chance to be around the guys at that level I mean uh, especially because of the fact that you kind of have to learn you know in some cases 40 50 different pitchers that you're not gonna see maybe at all ever again mm-hmm. in your career what was that whole experience like the learning curve of that and getting a chance to to be oh, around yeah. and really soak up that knowledge in spring training
1: it was it was unbelievable it was awesome seriously i mean i took full advantage of it i know i did i i walked out of that locker room saying like man yeah that was fun that I, I know like i can i can watch a big league game now and say like okay i know what he likes to throw i know what he likes to throw i know what his best pitch is and what he likes to do with two stripes and everything like that i mean i i, I just didn't go in there and just try to remember everything i wrote stuff down and i took notes uh i didn't just just try to remember it. I wrote it down that way. When the time does come, I, I can look back on that and be like, okay, I remember this. Okay, yeah, that's what
2: it was. Jose, there's, there's, we've done a lot of talking about like working with staffs and working with you know defensive work and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I want to kind of touch on just offensively. Uh, you were over a 300 hitter last year, but you know scattering reports say it's going to be the defensive work that gets you to the majors um, when that does happen. Uh, but what do you think you need to do offensively? What kind of work are you putting in uh, to kind of round out, the, you know, your your whole profile to kind of take that next step offensively?
1: Um, I mean, it's, it's simple. It really is. It falls up the middle. Uh, there's a lot of area. I mean, I had a college but tell me, hey, there's a lot of room up the middle, a lot of green up the middle. You know, and I mean, it's inside react to it. Outside shoot it the other way. I, I mean, you got two shots on, you know. Some ball drive the other way, Sweet, sweet. see ball hit ball. Basically, that's that's what it is for me. And uh, there's a run on second, less than two outs. Shoot over the right side, get the guy over the third, let your teammate bring him in. Uh, get second and third, with less than two outs. You know, hit a pop by the center, hit a pop by the left. Like, get that running. You know, it's just being being productive on the offensive side. It's not just like okay, we need to get a hit here. No, there's other ways you can do that without getting a hit. So, and I think that's the thing that I'm that's the thing that I've myself on. Like I get down three strikes from somebody, run on second left, two outs, hey, I'm not worried. Like, I can still do a job here without getting a hit. And then that leads to to ball game. So...
0: Jose, uh, a couple more for you, and we'll get you out of here. But one that I have to ask you about the uh, the Rough Riders staff this season, coaching staff wise, is led by manager Joe Mikuluk. and Joe obviously has a a very well known reputation around minor league baseball. Uh, inside the game, doesn't really? Doesn't really no, I, I, <laughs> I, I know you've never heard of it, right? It's crazy. Inside baseball. People know Joe Mikulik as being one of the nicest, most engaging, brightest human beings you could ever meet. Outside, for people who have only seen him on Sports Center, he's a lunatic. He's throwing rosin bags like they're grenades, and he's kicking bases all over the place, and he's spiking water bottles. But that dichotomy is so fascinating about him. What's it like being around him? Because every time we talk to him, the nicest guy on earth, it's got to be really yeah, he's interesting. He's
1: awesome, man. He's a great man. Seriously, he really is. You could tell from the start, He he wants the best for everybody. He doesn't – I mean, there's – he said it too. He's like, man, this guys that I haven't met yet. I'm going to get going. He's like, I'm going to get to knowing y'all. He's like, I want the best. I hope all of y'all make it to the big league. He's, and he, he really cares, really, really cares. All the coaches got that.
0: By the way, I should uh, clarify, it was actually Phil Wellman in the Braves organization who did the biting the Rosen and throwing it like a grenade. Yeah. I don't want to mis-tribute one of the greatest blow-ups of all time in minor league history because that was yeah. a classic. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, Jose, for uh, for you guys, I mean, now you get a chance to really get into the meat of this schedule, and uh, I have to ask you this before we get you out of here. Being a guy who has had a chance to, to see what life is like in Frisco so far, now you're headed out on the road. Uh, you're going to take on Springfield in Springfield, but you had four games, uh, or three games against Springfield at home to start the season, then Tulsa. So my question is this, at Dr. Pepper Ballpark, have you gotten a chance to try out the Lazy River yet?
1: I have not. No, Are I'm you not, going to at some point? I know on one of my off days I will for sure be there. <laughs> uh, I'll probably go over there after around the golf or something and probably hang out there, or maybe even before BP or something. But I definitely have to get into that thing. I know I, I heard it. I mean, it looks pretty sweet, but uh, I heard it's heated too, so it doesn't matter if it's cold or hot. Oh, that's I, awesome. Know. It's nice, yeah.
0: That is fantastic. It's just a relaxing yeah. day, relaxing day on the Lazy River. Oh, you, yeah. you could probably shag for BP from out there on a day off, you know.
1: Yeah, I just put my glove up. Exactly.
0: He is Jose Trevino, the number seven prospect in the Texas Rangers organization, and the starting catcher for the AA Frisco Rough Riders in the Texas League. You could find Jose on Twitter. He is at Jose Trevino five. And uh, Jose, we love every chance we get to talk to you. It's been a ton of fun for us, and thanks a bunch for giving us some time on the bus. I know it's not the uh, the easy of circumstances for an interview but we really appreciate it man
1: yeah thank y'all thank y'all for having me appreciate
0: it that was the 2016 texas rangers minor league player of the year jose trevino again you can find jose on twitter he is at jose trevino five and uh we certainly wish him the the best remainder of the road trip to uh springfield missouri very exciting stuff and we bring in our uh 2016 uh player of the year benjamin hill hi ben
3: i'm the player of every year every year i
0: know it's the ben hill award the ben hill player of the year award presented annually to ben hill exactly i mean who else (laughs) is gonna get it obviously no there's no there's no comparison um well this is a fun week in major league and minor league baseball and uh, a very cool day coming up on saturday as we do annually now throughout the world of baseball jackie robinson day in the major leagues every big leaguer will wear the number 42 the iconic number retired by major league baseball in 1997 as the uh, forever tribute to jackie robinson and uh the minor leagues will be taking their own tact uh toward honoring jackie robinson this weekend coming up as well and there is a really interesting promo going on in day Daytona, where the Class A Advanced Daytona Tortugas, the high affiliate of the Cincinnati Reds, will be doing their own tribute to Jackie Robinson.
3: Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, the Tortugas there in Daytona are a special team in the Florida State League um, because they're the only team in the Florida State League who play in a ballpark that is just theirs. It's not a spring training facility, and uh, that's an old ballpark. And it's named Jackie Robinson Ballpark, and the reason it's named Jackie Robinson Ballpark is because Jackie Robinson spent his first spring training there in 1946 after signing with the Brooklyn Dodgers organization. And one of the reasons he spent 1946 spring training in Daytona is because other Florida cities uh, would not alter their existing Jim Crow laws and refused to let him play. So the city commissioners in Daytona let Jackie Robinson play, let him play the first integrated games um, in the state, And during that 1946 spring training, he did not wear the number 42 that he is forever associated with. He wore number 9. So now let's bring it to the present day. This Saturday, Jackie Robinson Day, the Daytona Tortugas are wearing Brooklyn-themed number 9 jerseys in honor of Jackie Robinson's time with the team in 1946 by the way jackie
0: robinson i just want to uh after that initial spring training he went out and played for montreal uh the montreal royals in the international league and that year in 124 games jackie robinson batted 349 468 462 over 124 games for montreal and obviously broken into the major leagues in 1947 and the rest is history but that's really cool especially a team that doesn't have a a connection directly to jackie robinson and that they're they're not a dodgers affiliate uh the tortugas were We're not around. Jackie Robinson didn't play for the Tortugas, but it's really cool to see they're embracing the connection via the shared history.
3: Yeah, and that's very much a shared history. As I said, they they play in Jackie Robinson ballpark every single day, so uh, his legacy looms large, and if you get a chance to visit the stadium, there's a quote-unquote museum of sorts just around the stadium with various signage and facts and photos of Jackie Robinson and his time in Daytona. And uh, one of the cool aspects of that promo is that I believe his name was George Bates, Um, but he was the Bat Boy in 1946. This man named, yeah, George Bates was a kid in 1946 and was a Bat Boy in Daytona when Jackie Robinson was on the team. He's going to serve as the honorary Bat Boy on Saturday. You know, 71 years later, he's going to be at the ballpark and uh, he has that direct connection to 1946 and seeing Jackie Robinson back then. Just a little aside, but I think those things are very cool. And I like when teams go the extra mile with those sort of details.
2: And and they're not going to be the only ones doing like a Jackie Robinson promo uh, this weekend. Um, you know, one one is Memphis that we talked about, uh, you and I, before we went on. They're going to be wearing, you know, Jackie Robinson uniforms with kind of like a silhouette involved, you know, they'll be wearing the the 42, uh, but it's not just that, that they're going to be involved in terms of the legacy of, you know, African-Americans for this Jackie Robinson celebration, what else are they going to be kind of doing?
3: Yeah, I mean the the, the jerseys are great. Uh, go on Twitter. You know, I tweeted it at Ben's Biz. Of course, the Memphis Redbirds tweeted it. Uh, Facebook, whatever. The the Jackie Robinson jerseys they're wearing are great. Um, really unique and the
2: best I've seen in the minors. Um, is there like a script that this is made out of? I mean, what you can you can see his silhouette behind the Memphis, and it makes up most of the shirt, but. What, are, what kind of makes up those dots? Do you know I can't?
3: I'm not sure exactly, but, you know, they use this sublimated jersey technology. So Robinson's face um, is really in- integrated into the jersey itself with Memphis overlaid atop of it. Um, really appealing design. Um, And yes, also on Saturday, as they celebrate Jackie Robinson, the Redbirds are hosting a forum featuring members of the Memphis 13 who first integrated Memphis schools in 1961 when they were mostly first graders. And uh, Sam and I were talking about this uh, earlier. It's just amazing that that's not that far back in American history, and I think we need to be reminded that uh, from time to time that um, in 1961, these first graders had to integrate a school in in Memphis, and uh, I think it'd be really interesting to learn their stories and their experiences, how it affected them as kids and uh, where they are now and... uh, get some more background on that. But a really cool thing for a minor league team to do is, is host an event like that at the ballpark. Um, people from the Memphis 13 who, who integrated the schools.
0: And to show you just how difficult uh, of a climb it was even to get to that point in American history, Brown v. Board of Education was in 1954. So it wasn't until seven years later that those kids did that. So if you're in the Memphis area, those are people that uh, all of us in society owe a lot to. And that's a really, really cool event that the Redbirds are putting on. Uh, and some really great jerseys as well, which Ben uh, mentioned are up on his Twitter and you can find them on the the Memphis Redbirds as well. Um, The the week is uh, certainly not just about honoring Jackie Robinson. We got a lot of stuff that is minor league classic promo related. Um, The Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp on April 13th will be celebrating the 100th anniversary of Converse's Chuck Taylor Shoes. If you are named Chuck or if you are named Taylor, you get in free. I don't recall a promo this specific about like one article of clothing. Do you know more about this, Ben? Is there a connection between
3: Jacksonville and Chuck Taylors? You know, I don't. I, I just threw it in the column <laughs> as an aside. And I saw it. What, and I had
0: to ask about it.
3: Yeah, basically what you said is uh, what I know. Uh, conversely, you could ask the team if you want to know more. <laughs> Ooh. Nice Ooh. job.
0: Nice job. Ooh. Not He's in mid-season no, form week that was number
3: a one? for for pun of the year. <laughs> Got tongues wagging over here.
0: Oh my God, it's still going. Mid-season form week number one. Sam,
2: fire away. Uh, I was just trying to see <laughs> other puns we could lace together. Um, <laughs> ah! I mean, like that. So that one celebrating an anniversary a hundred years ago. One we also have to get on just because it's so in the news. Everybody's talking about. Everybody in our office has been talking about it all week. Um, I don't know about in the Denver Bureau, Tyler, but I'm sure you, you all are discussing it very heavily out there. Well,
0: I am uh, taking a United flight tomorrow, if that's what you're talking about. So, yep, a little, little terrified.
2: Yeah, so so the everybody knows about the United fiasco. Uh, Fort Myers Miracle are kind of taking advantage of that, hopping on the news like every other minor league team loves to do. What are they exactly doing with this, Ben? well the
3: miracle have always been a team that uh, jump immediately on current events in some cases i believe not even staging a promo just announcing they will and getting the attention i'm thinking i'm thinking of marco rubio water bottle night look it up i don't think they ever staged marco rubio water bottle night i'm the only one who cares but listen miracle you're going to announce you're going to announce a promotion even if it's the off season, you gotta do it. And follow you did through not dip, with this. Yeah. Follow that's through true. on I want in the year twenty seventeen Marco Rubio water bottle night because it didn't happen.
0: <laughs> Marco anyway. Rubio. You know what they should do now is they should do the fact that Marco Rubio retweeted that annoying tweet that's been going around the kid trying to get eighteen million retweets to get a free year of chicken nuggets from Wendy's. That should be the new oh, that should be, be the twenty seventeen version of, of Water Bottle Night. Listen up,
1: Miracle.
3: Yeah, listen up, man. That kid needs his nugs. You need to stage promotions when you announce them. But they are staging this promotion in, I don't want to say honor, but in honor of this PR disaster that United experienced Um, at this upcoming homestand for the Miracle, April 17th to 20th, uh, anyone who presents a United boarding pass at the box office of a Fort Myers miracle game gets in at half priced and they, and they guarantee that you will have a seat in the ballpark. They never overbook. So kudos to the miracle for jumping right on that, going viral with a promotion that costs literally $0 to stage, gets them a lot of attention and plays on a current event. And, uh, that's all I got.
0: Pretty good stuff. Uh, April 15th, the Hickory Crawdads will play a scheduled doubleheader to allow players and staff to have Easter Sunday off. And in honor of their 25th anniversary, uh, they'll have a limited number of tickets available for $2.50. The West Virginia Power and the Lexington Legends will play their first Hatfield and McCoys game coming up on the 15th as well. Uh, In case you're a human being, for some reason, who has wondered what Plaxico Burris is up to these days, you can check him out on NFL Night at the Trenton Thunder coming up on April 18th. We are finally into a full week of promos, and it's so exciting.
3: It's, what, are uh, what Plax does now? Well, what you find out in Trenton.
0: April we'll 18th. Out. Ask him yourself.
2: Yeah. Yeah. can do that makes sense
0: uh so that'll do it for uh this week's edition of promo preview but more to discuss uh with benjamin hill and uh there is ballpark news ballpark news never stops and we'll get to this because we have an exciting item that i want to finish on that we'll talk about that's more ben centric but there is some ballpark news augusta is still getting the ball rolling on what could be a new home for the green jackets ben
3: Yeah, construction is underway on their new ballpark. It's part of a development project called Project Jackson. Um, It will locate the team across the river and in South Carolina. So technically a relocation. They'll be going from uh, Augusta in Georgia to North Augusta in South Carolina. Uh, Construction is underway. And if all goes according to plan, that ballpark will open in 2018. It would be the only ballpark that opens in 2018 if all goes according to plan. But having gone from... El Paso to Biloxi to Hartford in consecutive seasons and various construction delays. I'm not saying anything's going to go wrong with Augusta, but that is a very tight timeline, and I'm not. I for one, I'm not going to go around saying, you know, for sure right now. But they're on pace. That's what they want to do, and I, and I'm rooting for it, a new ballpark in Augusta. And uh, I believe I'm going to write a column featuring that information and more uh, tomorrow to run on Friday. I just cannot be stopped when information comes through. I disseminate it.
2: And there's one last thing, uh, Tyler kind of teased there, um, that is very Ben centric. In that, Topps is going to be releasing the first image in your Ben's Biz card set.
3: Yeah, the Topps Pro debut set. um, It's set to premiere, uh, hit the streets on May 24th. This is my career highlight. I've curated a 15 card set uh, within this Top set. And uh, it features the you know the the people and places and things that I chronicle on my road trips. So uh, I don't want to give anything away, but you know fans and food items and um, architectural quirks are, are getting their own baseball cards. I'm featured in one card, uh, throwing out a roll of toilet paper as a first pitch at a Wisconsin Timber Rattlers game, and I believe that image, uh, as we talk right now, it has not been debuted, but it should be uh, appearing very shortly on top social media, um, at tops, with two p's of course uh on, on their facebook page and uh yeah there's gonna be 15 ben's biz themed cards and uh i'm overjoyed by this i mean i finally made it i finally made it yeah, i know it won't be in there
0: little... i know it won't be in there uh me and ben hanging out in colorado
2: obviously no anyway please no. that'll be in like no. the 2019 set yeah right?
0: maybe yeah we'll see <laughs> if,
2: if, if you agree to it if you waive your rights <laughs> to be on a baseball game yeah you
3: know See if it yeah, happens. I'd love to. I'd love to feature. I'd love to give you Sam and Tyler a. Uh, I'm acting like now I'm the king of baseball cards. I know, yeah. I didn't, I didn't,
0: I didn't yeah. Know ben ben bought tops cards. Actually, is what we're what we're learning yeah. now.
3: But the show before the show, I would love to see you guys get your own baseball cards. I can be in a little maybe a little uh, insert photo in the bottom corner, but it would be de- dedicated to you. Um, you know, this podcast has taken off. I see it in my inbox every day. People getting in touch with me. Not because they read my stuff, but please read my stuff, but because they hear me on this show and they love Sam and Tyler and they even love me. And uh, thank you for listening to all you out there. Get in touch with me and uh, check out my baseball cards.
0: Hey, we agree with all that and uh, you can find Ben on Twitter he is at Ben's Biz you can get in touch uh Ben's Biz is the blog if you want to be a designated eater you still looking for designated eaters you got a bunch of road trips and a bunch of ballparks
3: well here's the thing I put a deadline on uh, looking for designated eaters um some places I got as many as half dozen submissions for certain locations other locations such as basically every team in the Pioneer League. I got no <laughs> submissions, so uh, uh, I'll be writing a post shortly announcing uh, designated eaters in all the applicable locales where I have one, and then make it first come, first serve from there for any uh, openings that have yet to be filled, so look for that on the blog. and. Uh, yeah, you know, just keep on trucking. It's baseball season now. I got to say, guys, this is my third podcast taping of the day, but I'm glad to close it out with you. Oh jeez, I'm a celebrity. Oh jeez, man. Yeah, I mean, but you know, th- talking to you guys is like coming home.
0: Excuse us, Mr. Mr. Fancy. I just, <laughs> gave, I just gave
3: you a compliment, <laughs> and you said, ex- and you said, excuse. Us. I'm still like, thinking I'm about, so- still thinking about the fact
0: that the two ballparks you haven't visited are the two closest to me. That's all I'm thinking about, Ben. So that's yeah, what it comes yeah. back to every week for me, the heartbreak I not- that I feel but it's okay. Um, That's all (laughs) Ben's on Twitter. (laughs) Ben's biz on Twitter and Ben'sBiz.MLBlog.com is the blog. Check out promo preview, which returns for the 2017 season. We got the first edition of that up on the site right now, batting around and all that type of news and information as well for ballpark developments and all other things in the world of minor league baseball business. And uh, Ben, always our favorite conversation of the week, buddy. We'll talk to you next week. Really? I'm the favorite. How could you not be? All right. Ben Hill, man. All
3: right. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Jose Trevino from the Texas Rangers and Benjamin Hill are guests this week. And a big thanks to both of those guys as uh, the first full week of minor league baseball is in the books in 2017. And that means we're now full fledged into the mill TV schedule. Sam, who are you watching this week?
2: Yeah. So I've got my eye on a doubleheader this Saturday. Uh, Lehigh Valley is going to Pawtucket for a doubleheader. header uh, starts at one I talked about JP Crawford at the beginning of the, the show today. And, uh, you know, so now that would be a chance to see just how far along is he uh, in his improvements and or how much is he struggling. Uh, But beyond that, I mean, that Lehigh Valley lineup, you know, we talked about that last week uh, is just absolutely loaded. Roman Quinn, Jorge Alfaro, Dylan Cousins, Reese Hoskins, Nick Williams, uh, and then add on J.P. Crawford to that. That's always going to be a fun lineup to watch, uh, regardless of who they're playing. Uh, The fact that they're doing a double dip. Um, in Pawtucket this weekend makes it all the more exciting. Uh, there aren't probables out yet for the, that twin bill, but uh, I think Kyle Kendrick is the only one who has actually been put on the schedule. Uh, and he's obviously been a major leaguer at s- certain points in his career. So uh, seeing how that lineup goes against somebody who with that type of experience uh, could certainly be exciting. Um, I know it's supposed to be... What looks like a nice weekend in Philadelphia this weekend in eastern Pennsylvania uh, for people who are more apt to watch that type of matchup. But uh, if you get a chance, you know, bring the tablet out with you, uh, sneak in some of bats, that kind of thing, because uh, th- these are guys who you know, are knocking on the doorstep and as a lineup might be one of the best in the minors. <laughs> This
0: is just a chance for me to tell you how scorching hot Cody Bellinger has been at the plate to start the season uh, through his first six games. Again, we're recording on Wednesday. 417-440-667 is the slash line for Cody Bellinger. He and the A Oklahoma City Dodgers will be on the road in Tennessee this weekend. They will finish a series in Nashville on Friday. They'll open a series in Memphis on Saturday. So two great ballparks for you to watch a MILB-TV game from. But Cody Bellinger is one of the real fun prospects in minor league baseball right now. And one of the guys that, you know, depending on how things shake out at the major league level, not sure how long we're going to be able to see Cody Bellinger on MILB TV and not on MLB TV, so you might as well watch him while you get a chance.
2: Yeah, for sure. Before before we actually wrap up quick, uh, yes. there's one thing I just wanted to point out to everybody listening. Uh, oh, there's one thing I wanted to point out too. Happy birthday, Sam. Well, that that's late now.
0: It was Sam's birthday last week. I didn't even know, and I didn't wish him a happy birthday, and now I forgot until the last segment of this one. Happy birthday, Sam. <laughs>
2: Thank you. Yeah, it's weird. Anyway, sorry. I'm officially Pudge fist age. That's the way I put it. (laughs) um, Just waving life fair. Just stay fair, life. Just stay. Anyway. um, That works. So, yeah, now 27. But um, for anybody, you you all listened to the Jose Trevino interview, I just wanted to publicly thank Tyler for carrying that one. Uh, You may have heard I I was having some Internet issues in the middle of that. uh, So that was definitely a Tyler-heavy interview. Um, which is definitely a good thing not, not a bad. which is the
0: worst kind of oh no, he' good it was really know. good
2: um, you're very good at getting actual anecdotes out of guys um, I, I was having such bad internet issues that when he said James Dykstra as a pitcher he was excited about I thought he was saying me um, which again we are not related um, and I don't think Jose Trevino has ever seen me throw my 55 mile an hour fastball so he was definitely wouldn't have been talking about me so uh, just publicly wanted to thank Tyler for, for carrying that. And uh, it was definitely a good interview. Glad we, you guys could hear from him, uh, especially Rangers fans.
0: Yeah. And uh, again, a big thanks to Jose Trevino for joining us and um, giving us a glimpse as to what life is like on the bus. On the way to Springfield, which I know everybody has wondered about. So that'll do it for the 105th episode of the show before the show podcast. Again, you can find us at MILB.com slash podcast on iTunes, on the Stitcher app. Download the Milk First Pitch app and give us a rating and a review on that as well. Some really cool stuff. We got some new features for that this year, some team-specific stuff, which is really cool. So you can check that out. Set your favorite team. Set game alerts. You can get news. You can follow all of our articles, all that type of stuff at the Milk First Pitch app, and uh, that'll do it for this week's edition of the show. Until next week, uh, you get to watch uh, a full week of baseball at every possible level, except for short season teams, I guess. But now we're just getting into the weeds and things because I never know how to end a podcast without making it really awkward toward the end.
2: Just enjoy your week, everybody.
0: Enjoy your week, everybody. Talk to you next week.